Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Paddock Pundits, a motorsport-adjacent podcast with a Midwestern mindset. My name is Rachel. Kate will not be joining me today because basically so much has happened in everything that we just could not get together to record, but it would be insane for us to not talk about the Indy 500 as like an IndyCar podcast. So Kate sent me some of her thoughts and I have some talking points that I'm going to go through, but like the last solo episode that I did, um, it's probably going to be a little shorter. So apologies for that, but there is a lot to get through. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll go grab my coworker slash neighbor slash friend Kevin and we can have a little discussion about it. Not sure how that will work because I am currently sitting underneath a blanket in my house to try and uh, get rid of the noise and I've turned my air conditioner off so that that doesn't click on so know that I have your ears and hearts in mind when I'm recording this Um, but we do have a paddock pundits pyramid a triple p for the 500 of course so let's start off with the bottom of the pyramid let me scroll and make sure that I've got it. So starting off our bottom row, we have second place finisher Marcus Erickson. Marcus Marcus had an amazing race. He does great on ovals. He won the 500 last year. He um, has said some things since the 500 came out about, um, or since the race finished about, you know, like how doing restarts on the last lap are incredibly difficult, especially on ovals, which is true. Um, But I do think it's interesting because he was very outspoken about the fact that he supported uh, Abu Dhabi and everything that happened there with Lewis and Max in 2021. And then to be in kind of a similar instance here and to be wholly against it. I know that they're different scenarios and everything, but it was just interesting to see how like kind of that idea shifted once he became involved in it. So I I did want to mention that. Kate and I have different opinions on it, uh, which let me pull up what she said. But um, she understands more of where he's coming from. And I do too. I'm not like saying that it's uh, all, all one way and that like he's totally in the wrong about it. But um, I, I just think it's funny and it is something that I wanted to mention like about it. So I do think that Marcus has like a a valid critique there um, in that maybe it should have been a yellow flag all the way through. But I mean, it's the Indy 500. It's the greatest spectacle in motorsport. They're they're not going to have a yellow flag ending. That's just not how it's going to go. So then also on our bottom row is Colton Herta, our resident emo drummer, um, I need to, next time I get into service, so I am recording this without service and then I'll upload it and everything later, but when I get into service, I do want to see if he um, and Connor Daly played any pranks this year while they were in um, the, like, 500 track, because they, I know, I think they both do um, the, like, RV style stuff, so I do want to see what little fun things he got up to, because I know that he had plans, but he led, um, most on-track passes for the 500, so he didn't finish in a great spot. I think he was top 10, which is good, Um, but obviously people for the 500, it's really all about, like, I mean, winning, but also just getting top three, so didn't quite get that, but he did have the most on-track passes, which I think shows how strong he is, like, on ovals, too. Um, 
I think that he's just kind of this guy that's going to be doing as much as he can. He's a very competitive driver, um, kind of a little goblin on track. I wish Kate was here to keep me in, in line. I think I'm going to say some crazy stuff, guys, to be honest. Um, part of my job is speaking with the general public, and I think that that just like makes me a more unhinged person. So apologies in advance for any analogies or things that come out of my mouth. I'll do my best to cut them, but I might keep some of them just because I make myself laugh. Um, I think that's kind of it for Colton. I feel like I'm blind through these. I just am looking at my notes and Kate's notes, and I can't think of anything. So rounding out the bottom row is uh, Pato fans don't come for us, Pato. He's on the bottom. He did lead the most laps, which is impressive he's gonna get an extra point for that but he um you know he said all this stuff in Long Beach about like it's a racing incident with Scott Dixon and like if you don't want to race then don't race and then he has this racing incident right um in the 500 where he's going for a late overtake Mark I think it was Marcus Erickson apologies if it was somebody else um I can't look it up, had a a late defense and Pato just kind of got caught in it. And he just like totally went off about everything and was saying that like it wasn't fair. Um, But like, don't dish it if you can't take it. You know, if you can't handle the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Not that I think that he can't handle the heat, but I think that it's just like, it's one thing to say, like, you can't say that you want like it to be racing and that these are racing incidents and all this other stuff and then be on the receiving end of it and not be able to take it that way too so like I don't know Pato did have a very good race and it was great that he was able to come back and at least finish but I just you know I don't think that he could say the stuff that he said about that not getting a penalty and still feel the same way that he did about Long Beach if that makes sense so then on our Second row, we have Alex Pillow, um, and fully of the opinion, both Kate and I, that if um, Rena's VK didn't hit him in the pit lane, uh, the race probably would have ended very differently because he was just so solid all around. Um, Kate's exact thoughts are, he would have been higher up, methinks. So... Also, it's just insane. I don't think Renus ever got like an unsafe pit lane release for that, which I think having watched it back, I hope you guys couldn't hear that truck passing by. Um, I think he 100% should have gotten an unsafe pit release just based on what happened or some kind of penalty. Poor Alex Pillow. Um, But still, you know, had a really good race was being very competitive and I agree with Kate that if um if that hadn't happened Alex Pillow I'm not, I think could have won potentially maybe not won but then like Ben he would have been up there I think he had the potential to win and it's upsetting that that was taken away from him for things that he couldn't control rounding out our second row is Calamilot uh, he had, we talked about it last week, he had a pretty rough qualifying. Almost got cut. Oh my god, it's so hot underneath this blanket. Okay, 
He almost got cut, and um, he had all the drama with his new car for qualifying. Like, basically, his team worked all night to get him a new car so that he could qualify. Um, it was, like, a huge thing. Even I saw it with my limited cell service, um, like, TikTok clips of him and his girlfriend just being so happy that he made it through. Which, okay, very brief side note, they're the cutest people alive. They're so cute. I love them. Um, But he ended up leading five laps of the 500. So extra point for Callum because he led a lap of the race uh, in the driver's championship. So he gets an extra point for that. Extra point on the Paddock Pundits Pyramid for having a cute girlfriend. Also for being a good driver, I guess. Um, but it's especially impressive that he managed to lead five laps because he crashed out early last year. Um, so to have that quick of a turnaround in just a year and like how he's performing on ovals, I think really speaks to how he's adjusting to IndyCar and that he's really like figuring out how to maximize, um, the potential of the, um, Hunko's car, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm saying that a lot. Sorry. Um, it makes sense to me, and I'm really just talking to myself in my room. So maybe Kevin can hear me through the wall, in which case this is all stuff that he's heard before because he also is into IndyCar and we talk about it a lot. Okay, I think that that rounds out our bottom of the pyramid, or our second row of the pyramid, excuse me. Um, top of the pyramid, I don't think anyone is going to be surprised by this. Joseph Newgarden. He, he just wanted it so bad. Like, I know that there was all the controversy with, like, what happened with the final lap of the race and the restart and all this other stuff. But I think that, like, there is just, like, this drive and determination that he has that, like, could anything really have stopped him from getting the win? I don't know. Like, I honestly don't. I think that he was hungry for it in a way that, like, was different from the way that everybody else wanted it. I think... Um, Kate and I always talk about how we love a story, a narrative, and I think that his story and narrative for, like, how much he's struggled with the 500 and everything that's happened that he hasn't been able to win until this year, there's just something, like, poetic about his win. I, and that he has, you know, his kid, and he talked about on, uh, an episode of 500, ooh, that's wrong, 100 Days to Indy, um, that he thinks that, like, a lot of people doubted him since he had a child, that, like, a lot of people feel that children cause IndyCar drivers and, like, professional motorsport drivers generally to kind of, like, lose focus. And so he's proving all of them wrong. And that's just something that I think is actually more, like, sports general. Since they said something similar on Full Swing, the Netflix documentary about golf uh, or docuseries, um, and about how, like, Basically, when people have kids, they think that it makes them lose sight of, like, the championship and everything like that. But I think that there's this other side to it that, like, you want your kids to understand why you're away from home for so much and why you live the lifestyle that you live. And so to win something like the 500, I think, really solidifies for Joseph Newgarden and his family that, like, what he's doing is what he loves and it's what he's passionate about um so that that's our triple p for the 500 i hope i included all of kate's talking points 
But with that, we're going to move into just some general thoughts on the 500, some things that happened that maybe you didn't hear about, some of it that you probably did. Hopefully, we'll get more into Kate's notes as well that I am now seeing that I did miss. Um, I guess I'll just circle back for a second since I was talking about Pato and um, Long Beach and everything. And then I'm reading from Kate's text. He, She says he... She feels like he kind of plays the innocent card a lot, which is like, oh, I just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, he has that like boyish charm and everything about him. And I do agree that he uses that to his advantage sometimes. And I do feel like he was kind of doing that with this race incident, especially with the fact that he does have like a growing fan base. It's something that like people take his complaints, I feel like more seriously than some other drivers that don't have as much of a fan base, if that makes sense. Like, because you're seeing it more because his fans are outraged and they're commenting on it. They're posting about it. They're making TikToks about it. They're doing all that stuff. So you are just like seeing it more. And I, I do think that he definitely uses that to his advantage, which there's, I, I mean, as a Pato fan, I don't know that there's necessarily anything wrong with that as long as he's not using his platform negatively which i don't think he's doing in this instance um but this actually transitions really well into our first point which is that there were nearly five million viewers of the 500 i hate those stupid trucks nearly five million viewers of the 500 which is up i believe two percent from last year which isn't a lot but it is a little bit um, but attendance was up significantly. I believe 300,000 people were in attendance, which is insane that that amount of people were there. It's really great for IndyCar. I'm glad that they're getting some traction. Um, I'm glad that they're getting more exposure. Hopefully people continue to watch IndyCar, to go see IndyCar. It's just an amazing environment and experience and atmosphere. Speaking of fan experiences, bees. This is one that I kind of stumbled upon when I was reading some different articles. Um, I think it was on the Indie Star. Actually, I think I still have the tab pulled up. It was uh, Indie Star. There were uh, swarms, or one large swarm, I guess, of bees in the grandstands while um, the race was happening. They said an estimated 12,000 to 16,000 thousand bees swarmed the grandstands um and special props to indycar for uh not fumigating the bees or harming them they did find a beekeeper and they're getting them relocated and the beekeeper was so cute because he did this little um interview with indy star definitely check it out um and he was like oh i feel like i should name her like race queen or um what was the other one? Because the other one was so cute, too. Um, Speedway. Um, but he is honestly, I just love this little beekeeper guy because he was explaining it. Because, uh, you know, when they swarm, they're not uh, looking for, like, they're not being aggressive towards people. They're actually just really full. Like, they're they're full. They've had a good yummy little meal and they're full and they're looking for a new home. So they just wanted to find somewhere to take a little nappy after having no full bellies. Uh, and hopefully no one got stung. But, like, it, it would be scary to see 12,000 bees coming at you while you're at the grandstands. Um, sorry, that was a whole side tangent about bees. But I do think that they're really sweet little animals. And those were honeybees, too. 
So I think that the beekeeper guy was going to take him, take him. Nope. He was going to take the queen and the colony to his beekeeping farm. Um, that's just a fun thing that could happen if you go see an IndyCar race live. You could also see um, natural phenomena such as swarms of bees. Other things that happened that really can only happen at IndyCar races, um, a fan's car was uh, damaged by a uh, a tire. I believe it was from Kyle Kirkwood's crash. Uh, one of his tires came off and it flew up over um, the fencing and damaged a fan's car. And Team Penske is kind enough to gift uh, the woman whose car was, whose name I can't remember in this moment, um, a, a brand new car, and they took her to, um, they took her inside the track to see the, the um, line of bricks and everything. So I think that that was really sweet that they did that for her. Um, definitely not related to the fact that she could for sure sue them, but I do hope that they're going to do kind of like a safety investigation into how that happened in the first place. Obviously, there's a certain amount of danger whenever you attend any motorsport race, but um, in a lot of ways, I think we should just be grateful that it was just a car and that there wasn't a person nearby. And we should also be um, grateful for the amount of safety increase that's happened with the cars, um, that Kyle Kirkwood was okay in that crash since he was upside down for a considerable amount of time. And if he didn't have the arrow screen with the halo and everything, God knows what would have happened. Um, but I think he said that his worst injury was that his knees hurt really bad because he banged him. And even that was okay after, um, you know, like 15 or 20 minutes. So insane that he was able to walk away from that. I think it was like 40 Gs or something insane. So glad Kyle is okay. Glad that no one else was hurt in that crash. But I think that that crash kind of, brings up this idea that we don't often think about was that like how aerodynamics impact the cars that are getting past as well as the cars that are passing. So the way that Kirkwood's crash came about was that um, Newgarden passed Felix Rosenquist. Um, and I haven't like, I haven't watched any videos about it or anything, but um, he, so Newgarden passed Rosenquist and something happened with, like, the air shift when he was trying to get clean air that it just, like, caught on Felix's car just right, and he spun out. Um, so I know that, like, when I'm thinking about aerodynamics, it's almost exclusively how the passing car is using it, and so you don't think about how it's impacting that car, that second car as well, and, like, just how much the aero plays into IndyCar because, like, the, it is all... Um, the same more or less so it doesn't play as big of a factor as like formula one but it is still something that like can mean the difference between finishing a race and not finishing a race as we saw and just like kind of different driving things that were going on in um in the 500 one thing that i saw a lot of on twitter was about dragon weaving and for those who might not know what dragon weaving is or like what that term means it's using the pit lane as part of the racetrack so specifically like weaving into it um not as like a false dive but uh to go in and just kind of like break up air and do stuff like that um there aren't any rules at the at the ims at the indianapolis motor speedway about doing that and like track limits and things like that so 
It is technically allowed, but a lot of drivers have said that it's like unsportsmanlike. Again, that idea of like the gentleman's agreement that we talk about, I feel like a lot on this podcast and like what goes on between the drivers and those unspoken rules that they have together. But so a lot of them were talking about like whether or not dragon weaving is safe. And there was one really interesting quote. I think Santino Ferrucci uh, said it, which is surprising that anything interesting came out of his mouth or anything relevant, I guess, is the better thing to say. He says a lot of interesting stuff, but um, that it's not uh, it's not necessarily unsafe for the cars immediately behind the car that's doing the dragon weave, but it's the people that are coming around that corner that can't see what's going on. This, it makes it dangerous when the field suddenly changes like that. So you might not see them coming um, and things like that. I thought it was really interesting to think about like, when again, this idea that you're really only thinking about the past and maybe the person they're defending with um and you're not thinking about like how it impacts the rest of the field too so that is a safety concern as well um the last little like stats thing i guess that i wanted to end on this was one that i saw on twitter too which was that uh joseph newgarden now has won i believe it's the past five ovals so that's crazy that he is just like that dominant on ovals right now especially with like this being one of the closest fields in like IndyCar history with qualifying and everything else that's going on he is just like on another level with it but um he said that he wants to avoid the 500 hangover which is that a lot of the 500 winners uh struggle normally in the next race so I'm really eager to see he tries to avoid that 500 hangover, but the next race that IndyCar has coming up is um, this weekend. It's the Detroit Grand Prix, and that's going to be a road course. I'm really excited for it. Uh, hopefully, I'll be at work again, but hopefully I'll be able to follow along uh, and get live updates because I was able to do that for the 500, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. I hope everyone will be able to tune in. It's going to start at 2 p.m. And practices should start tomorrow. Qualifying is on Saturday. Sorry, guys. That's going to be great. Hopefully, uh, Kate and I will be able to figure it out for next week. I'm going to go ahead and promise, having not spoken to Kate about it at all, that we're going to record an episode next week about Detroit. Uh, and that will be out next week too. If not, uh, there'll be a solo episode. Either way, there's going to be something coming out. It might just be one of us. Hopefully it's going to be two of us, but thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for watching the Indy 500 and supporting IndyCar, and we'll talk to you next week.